Grace, mercy, and peace with you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus' parable that we have before us this morning gives us an opportunity to examine ourselves, see if our hearts match any of those first three soils, or really any combination of the three. Jesus is warning us about these things. And as we do this, we will see our need to constantly be receiving and holding fast to God's holy words. The first danger that Jesus warns us about is the danger of a hard heart. That is the seed that's sown on the path. Right? It's been trampled down. It's hardened for people walking on it. And so, when the seed gets tossed on, it's kind of like if you toss it out on our concrete out here, it doesn't have any way to penetrate. It's not going to have any roots grow at all. Instead, it's going to be snatched away by the birds. Jesus is warning us of the dangers of a hardened heart. That hardened heart often comes about through two main ways. Well, there's others. But one is impenitence. That is, the refusal to repent. So the more that God's word comes to us and reveals our sin to us, no matter what that sin is, no matter how small it may be in your eyes or how big it may be in your eyes, it makes no difference. The more that God's word comes to you regarding that sin and you keep ignoring God's word, you keep hardening your heart to God's word, more likely than God's word is going to come to you and kind of bounce off of it like it bounce off the concrete out here. As the seed hitting it and just kind of rolling. So it can be picked off and snatched by birds. Instead, here though, it's going to be snatched, our Lord tells us, by the devil. That is, by the devil and his demons taking the word away from you. Impenitence is a grave danger. Right? To stay in impenitence eventually leads to damnation. It's not something to mess around with. Right? When you're convicted of your sin and you harden your heart to that and you ignore that and you ignore what God says in his word about that sin, well, now you're putting yourself in great danger. Because what else is going to bring about repentance besides God's holy words? This week, we're reading through with the third, fourth, and fifth graders the accounts of the plagues in Pharaoh. That's exactly what happens time and time again with Pharaoh. God's word comes to him, and he rejects it, and then the plague comes, and then he says, oh wait, no, I've sinned, I've messed up, I'm really, I'm going to change this time, I'll let you guys go out to wilderness worship. And then the moment that hard time is passed, that plague is out of his sight, that very moment he turns around and says, nope, I'm not going to do it. The Bible again and again says, Pharaoh hardened his hearts, and would not listen the word of the Lord. And then, as Pharaoh's done it so often, it changes. Now, by the end of the seventh into the eighth play, it starts to say things like, and the Lord pardoned Pharaoh's hearts. That is, the Lord gave Pharaoh what he wanted. He gave him over to his sin. God punishes sin with sin. And God punishes us hardening our hearts with more hardening of your hearts. A dangerous and scary thing. Related to that is indifference. What Luther and the large catechism and what the church fathers called a kedia. 
an indifference, a boredom to holy things. You just don't care. So God's word comes to you, and you're just indifferent to it. You don't care what it has to say. It makes no difference to you. Right? You let it go in one ear and out the other, and you just don't care. You're bored by it. Who cares what God has to say about that? What difference does it make? Both through impenitence and indifference, the heart becomes hardened, and the word bounces off that hard heart. That's not the word's fault. The word, as we'll see as we go along, is mighty and powerful, is living and active. It does what it's sent out to do. Part of what it's set out to do is it will judge those who reject it, who want nothing to do with it, those who allow the devil to snatch it away from them. And so our need, what we have necessity for here with this soil, is that our hard heart would be removed, that it would be taken from us, that in its place, God would give us, as it says in Ezekiel, a heart of flesh. That's our need here. And so we are to examine ourselves and we are to confess if we pardon our heart in any way. We're not to be okay with it. We're not to just kind of let it keep going. We're not to continue in impenitence and to keep whatever sin that is that we like to hold on to, clinging to that sin rather than clinging to God's words. We're to confess it. To confess that we pardon our heart, that we've been impenitent, or perhaps we've been indifferent to God's holy words. We're to pray that God would remove our stony hearts and instead give us a heart of flesh. That he would make us indeed receptive to his words. That he would help us to cling to it instead of our sin and indifference. And it is that very word of God that's the only thing that can bring any of that about. God's word from beginning to end. That very word that we're hardening hearts against is that very word that can penetrate that heart and bring about true repentance and true change. It can change us from being indifferent to being zealous for God's holy words. The second danger our Lord warns us about is the danger of a lack of moisture, a lack of water. He says it falls among your rock. Now this is not like just falling on top of rock, like the trampled path. This is very shallow soil. It's like the soil in my yard, perhaps in your yards, where you have a couple inches of dirt, and then below that is nothing but rock. So that the moisture that does get there is quickly dried up. So these plants have no roots. So the sun comes up, dries up the moisture, and it also dries up the plants. Its roots wither, and it dies. Jesus says this is like those who they receive the word with joy. They're excited to have it. They even believe it. They receive it. And yet it's not for long. How many times have you seen someone get really excited about God's Word, really excited about the Bible, a new Christian who's really excited about these things, and yet they don't have roots deep enough? They never mature. They don't have anything to keep them there. And so when the hard times come, the temptations, the testing comes, they're in great danger. And when those difficult times come, whether through temptation or persecution and testing, whatever it may be, 
their roots aren't firmly planted in the word. Right? Psalm 1 uses this imagery. That the wise man, the righteous man, is like a tree whose roots are firmly planted deep in the soil. Why? Because they're next to the streams of living water. They're connected to God's word and sacraments. That's what's feeding it. That's what's sustaining it. And in very similar language, David says there that their leaves shall not wither. Right? Unlike this plant who withers under the heat of temptation and testing, the wise man whose roots are deep in the word of God, who are being fed and nourished by it, being sustained by it, their leaf, their plant does not wither, does not fade away, does not die. Jesus does not want us to be those who receive the word, receive it in joy, but then for whatever reason we don't take it seriously. We don't take seriously our need to keep being in the word, to keep being fed by the words. We don't hold fast to it. And so rather than growing up and bearing fruits to maturity, it withers and that person falls away from the faith, their faith shrivels up and dies. So here, too, our Lord says to examine ourselves. Let us examine ourselves and see how deep are our roots. Are they rooted really in God's words? Are we content with a very shallow understanding of God's word? A very shallow reception of God's words? I mean, you wouldn't plant something and then not water it. If you want it to grow, you're not just going to leave it there. And yet, how many Christians do that with their faith? It's implanted by the word, it's supposed to be sustained by the word, and yet their roots do not go down deep into that word. They neglect it, they ignore it, and it costs them. So let us confess that that is us. Let us confess our struggle of being rooted in God's words. Confess our dis- disinterest in being in God's word, in receiving God's word, whether at home or in church or what have you. And let us pray that God would give us deep roots in his words. That we would constantly be nourished, that our faith would be watered by his holy words. So that no matter what comes, we can be like that tree in Psalm 1 that does not wither, that does not die, that does not fade, but instead, indeed, brings fruits to maturity. The third danger our Lord warns us about are the cares of this life, the thorns. Jesus says some of the seed gets sown and gets sown among thorns. So the plant grows up, but the thorns grow up around it, and the word here is interesting. It chokes out, it strangles the life of the plant. A little bit later in chapter 8, it'll be the same verb used to describe the pigs that Jesus let the demons go into. They rush down the hill, and they drown, and the word there is the same word. They choke to death on the water. These thorns strangle the life out of faith. Jesus says these thorns are the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. These things that we chase after, that we get so caught up and anxious about having, that they distract us from the words. And slowly, over time, those things can even choke out faith. Whether it be the worries and cares and anxieties of money, 
or chasing after riches, making that the main thing, making mammon, this God in our life that we have to have above everything else, or whether it's just having a life of ease and comforts apart from pain and suffering, that is apart from bearing our cross. Jesus is warning us about these things. He wants you to see these things for what they are, that they are passing away, that they don't last into eternity. That, yeah, in and of themselves, they're good and fine things here and now. But the danger is that a life that seeks after those things and makes those things a priority, they will gain them all, Jesus says, and they'll forfeit their soul. That's a danger our Lord warns us about here. See, these things come along and they crowd out. They compete for the attention of the word. Because we are at war. These are tactics of the devil he uses these things to distract you, to crowd the word out of your heart so that your focus is not on God and his word where it needs to be, but instead is constantly on all these other things that we think matter oh so much in the moment. So here too, we need to examine ourselves. Are we chasing after the things of this world in such a way that the word of God is being crowded out? It's being choked out, it's being strangled. That our faith is in danger of withering and dying. So here too we're called to confess this. If this is our struggle, if this is the thing we're dealing with, then we need to confess that we care too much about the things of the world. We care too much about what the world thinks. We care too much about having those things that are fading away. Let's confess that and pray that God would free us from worldly passions. That he would set us free and cleanse us within from these things. That instead we cling to the word that is eternal. That gives us eternal life. That we hold on to it above all things. Finally, the fourth soil is not a danger that we face. But indeed what Jesus wants for us. In John chapter 12, Jesus used very similar language to talk not about the word, but about himself, the incarnate word. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. <coughs> he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. Jesus, in various places, uses this imagery for himself. That he is the good seed that must fall into the ground and die so there can be life. And throughout, we have the promise of Jesus. We have the promise that he came, that he might offer up his life as a ransom for you. He bought you in his death and resurrection. He is the good seed that falls into the ground and that bears fruit. And he distributes that fruit to you through his holy words. So that in baptism, which is water and the words, he comes and claims you, gives you life, sets you free. In the Lord's Supper, it's the word plus the elements we have there, the bread and wine, which then are joined to Christ's body and blood. Why? So that he might sustain you. So that he might forgive you. So that he might cleanse you. We've already had the word of absolution spoken in the service. That almighty, powerful word that indeed forgives your sins. 
And it's because Christ is the, the seed, the word of God incarnate that comes and is planted and it gives life through his death that he can come and be the sower who sows the seed of his words. He does that through his pastors. So that the sowing of the word, Jesus tells us in this parable, is necessary. It's necessary for you to keep receiving it. It's necessary for you to keep having it. Right? Parables aren't meant to cover everything. And this parable doesn't cover everything either. See, the sowing of the seed of the word is not like a one-and-done deal. Like it happens one time, and then it's done. Jesus says that keeps happening. He keeps sowing the seed of his words. He keeps casting out the seed of his word out to you, his people, so that you might have life. So in Isaiah 55, he says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So too in Hebrews chapter 4. Picking up on that same idea. We hear, for the word of God is living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. God in his law has to perform surgery on you with his holy words. He has to go in and with precision cut out that which should not be there. He has to go in and reveal to you the sin that needs to be confessed. The sin that you need healing from. The sin that needs to be dealt with. And then he comes along with the word of his gospel, and he does indeed heal that sin. He does indeed give you life. He does indeed perform a miracle, a surgery that gives you back all that you have lost. He gives you a full recovery. That which was taken away by sin, he replaces with his holy gospel. That which was dead because of sin, he gives life through his gospel. It is his word that does this. And so Jesus says the good soil, then, he says, is the one who has a noble and good heart. Which kind of sounds discouraging, right? Because most of us sitting here today say, well, if that was required, a noble and good heart, that doesn't sound like it describes my heart too well. And yet, as we see elsewhere throughout the Bible, a noble and good heart is a heart that has faith. The very faith that's been implanted by that word is a faith that then can declare and say that we have a noble and good heart because that faith clings to Jesus. So a noble and good heart is a heart that has faith, that is holding on to that word. Indeed, that's what Jesus tells us here, that we are to keep it. The word there is an interesting one. It literally means to hold fast to, even in the face of like, hard and difficult things, to cling to it, to not let go of it. So Jesus says we are to hold on to his word in faith, to hold on to it for dear life, to hold on to it as if it's the only thing that matters, is this. And Jesus says they bear fruit with patience. Before we look at the patience Paul discusses this very fruit. If you're familiar with the Galatians passage, the fruit of the Spirit, but elsewhere in Romans 6 he says, What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? 
for the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You bear fruits that leads to eternal life because you've been cultivated and sustained by the word of God. It is the word alone that brings this about in you and through you. And then Jesus says, you bear fruit with patience, that is, with endurance. The word here captures the idea of having the ability, the capacity, to bear up under difficult circumstances. That is, in the context of this parable, when the devil comes and tries to snatch that word from you. When the temptations and the testing that come and try to scorch and dry up your roots. When the cares of this life, the thorns come along and try to choke out your faith. Jesus says, because of his word, because of the word you have, and that you cling to and hold on to, you're able to withstand those three things. You're able to resist and keep holding on to the words. So here, too, we must examine ourselves. We must pray to God that he would give us strength through his word to keep holding on to his words. We can even confess. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We can confess that we are weak that we need the strength of his word to sustain us. We can pray that God would do what he's promised here. Jesus calls us this morning to take to heart his holy word, to receive it in faith, and then to be on guard, to be alert, to be watchful. What does he warn us about elsewhere in his word? That the devil is our adversary, that he roars about seeking to devour us. He is that lion on the prowl. We are to resist him. All the distractions that he brings, all the temptations, all the things he brings your way to try to snatch God's word from you. You're to remain firm in your faith. Knowing that this is nothing new. These tactics the devil uses to try to steal the word, to try to trample down the word, to try to choke out your faith, is nothing new. He's been doing this for 6,000 years. And yet we have here the promises of God that he's given us his word that we might cling to it and hold on to it and have a fruit that bears eternal life. That in him we are saved. He gives us his word. It's our comfort amid difficulty. Our joy amid sadness. It's our strength amid weakness. And it's our hope for the future. It's God's word alone that does all this for us. So we keep receiving his word, and we keep praying to him and asking him to be with us, that we might hold fast to it, no matter what may come. Amen. Amen. Peace of God, pass the understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.